You just think we just, you know, whatever happens, we just shit another player. I and everything's going to be perfect. All of our fans think that. You all think that. That's what you write about. Unacceptable in all areas. Unacceptable coaching, unacceptable playing, unacceptable effort, not what we're about. You don't want to be here. There's a specific reason. Not really, you know, I think we did a poor job recruiting. If guys are coming in and immediately walking out the door because it was something different than what they thought it would be. We lied to them during recruiting or we sold them on a dream that wasn't true. Like I said, coach our kids to, to do the right thing. And, uh, you know, play with poise, play with confidence, play with dignity, play with class. At the same time, we're not going to take anyone's shit either. As we want to be a big, fast, dominating, aggressive, relentless football team that nobody in the SEC wants to play. Now, that's all, sir. It's second in the West, baby. Yes, sir. <laughs> hey, hey, I don't like getting it. It's the only time we're ever getting excited about second. From now on, it's first, okay? No, I want to do is fucking eat. I want you to eat. I want you to eat. I want you to want this shit. Do you want it? Do you want it? Show me. Bunch of this did it again. Welcome in to the latest episode of That SEC Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Bratton. I go by SEC Mike on Twitter. And I'm joined, as always, by my cousin Shane, who goes by Big Orange Balls on Twitter. What are you up to, you big Tennessee homer? <laughs> hey, buddy, what's going on? It's good to hear your voice after a Tennessee win, Shane. This is the first time we've been able to say that this year. Oh, yeah, buddy. I'm happy. I'm happy for them Tennessee balls. I wasn't happy with my bets, obviously, but uh, <laughs> it was nice to get a victory against UT Chattanooga, son. <laughs> All right, Shane. So we'll touch on that game here in a bit, but we got to start. Uh, let's go with the, the two big conference games that we were talking up all week, starting there in Lexington, Shane. Saturday night thriller. These two teams always come down to the wire. Kentucky and Florida, if not for a junk touchdown there at the end, this would have been another. But it was still a classic. And the Gators come away from Lexington, beat Kentucky 29-21. Man, this was was such a weird game, Shane. I mean, obviously, Felipe Franks looks like he's lost for the season. Mm Mm-hmm. And at that point, the Gators are already staring down the barrel. I, bl- I believe they were down 11 at that point. Kentucky was dominating. Sawyer Smith looked like – I put this out on Twitter. I was kind of kidding, but not really. I mean, he looked like a top-five quarterback in the mm-hmm. SEC that first half. Second half, not so much. Uh, thoughts on this one, Shane? I know you picked Kentucky. You were looking like a genius there for a while. I picked mm-hmm. Florida to cover, and I think I kind of lucked out on that one. But uh, thoughts on Kentucky going down? Man, so much to unpack in this game, Mike. Um, honestly, this was the most electrifying week this year. And, you know, here we were bashing week three because there wasn't a lot of games on. But, the man, the ones that were was money well spent. You know what I'm saying? So, first off, I'd like to apologize for the Kentucky fans so they can stop tweeting at me. I apologize for picking you guys to win. This one's on me. Also, you too, Mississippi State. And, uh who else did I get? Arkansas? Yeah. No, they're cool. Colorado State don't listen, so we're good there. Um, but the thing with Kentucky, they let the foot off the gas, man. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? The, Stoops got conservative, and he got conservative way too early. Like, when we were in the first half, there's no reason we should have went to halftime like that. They had the ball. They had time. You know, Smith was on fire. They're, I mean, he, he was – finally starting to find his receivers out there. And then it's just like, you know what? We're just going to play defense and see what happens, you know? 
and then Felipe goes down, and then you get trash come in, then you got some bullshit penalty with uh, targeting. You know, mm-hmm. there was a whole bunch of stuff that happened out of this game, and I guarantee Stoops would love to have this one back, man. If he could go back to the end of the second quarter, I guarantee Kentucky would have put this away. But kudos to the Gators for finding a way to make this thing, you know, make out a, a victory here, man. You know what, Shane? I got to be honest with you. I'm really proud of you at this moment because I was all prepared for you to get on here and talk about how you picked Kentucky to win outright and it would have happened if not for these damn refs. And yes, I agree with you. I thought uh, that targeting call on Trask, which led to Florida's go-ahead touchdown, Mm -hmm. that was huge. That was a terrible call. Some people tell me online that that's the correct call. Which, if it is, I mean, they, they should change that because, it, I mean, basically, quarterback got sacked. It was not malicious at all, but mm-hmm. there was a penalty. But there was a lot of questionable calls in this game, Shane. There was a targeting call on Florida that I think was not targeting that went against the safety Steiner. Yeah. He's out of the first half there for, against Tennessee. I thought the, the touchdown catch from Wagner of Kentucky, that was questionable. Yeah, I, I could see that being a touchdown, but I could also I could very easily see them not call that a touchdown. So this was a game that uh, you know the pass calls interfer- the pass interference too. You know? Yeah, that that's another one. So the calls were pretty bad in this game overall, but I think it went both ways. And uh, I I was really going to hit on what you said there. Mark Stoops took his foot off the gas. And the one time he didn't was I believe right after Felipe Franks went out. They had a what was it, a fourth and maybe like a long one. They mm-hmm. could have punted it, pinned it deep. But instead of that, they went for it and got stuffed and kind of gave the Gators a ton of momentum with the backup quarterback. I don't understand what in the hell he was doing with that one. But aside from that one, he, he just really went in a conservative mode, even on that final that final possession where they kicked the yeah. field goal. I mean, they could have scored a touchdown with the way they were moving the ball. but Absolutely. They put it in the hands of a freshman kicker that I believe had only made one kick in his career, and and he missed it. That's what happens in college football if you play conservative. You lose. And uh, after the game here, Mark Stoops met with the media. He was pretty fiery, Shane. Uh, let's. Put, this is going to be his opening and his closing. He got up and left the podium prematurely here. Obviously a very, very difficult loss. Um, really, you know, feel like our team did some really good things and fought our way out of some uh, a hole early and a few mistakes early, came back and really played a good football game for a large portion of the game. Uh, as I tell our players that, uh, you know, the game, you know, there's an awful lot of plays in the game. You don't ever know which, which play is going to decide the outcome. And uh, there was – a bunch in there uh, that will jump out at all of us that uh, go our way or don't get a penalty and uh, things of that nature, you know, can, can change the outcome of a game. And uh, it's, it's situational football. You know, we played very, very good football at times and uh, certain situations uh, we got to get better and uh, execute better. Um, game comes down to inches. Uh, we, we're short on the fourth down when we were up 11 and uh, come back and run it on third down there and end up, what, six inches short or whatever it was, eight inches short and missed the field goal. And uh, comes down to game of inches. You know, that ball goes in or 
we get that first down, we're all sitting here saying that's one heck of a football game. It was. It was a quality game. It was a good football game. Two good teams. Uh, that's the ninth-ranked team in the country, and our team uh, played did some very good things uh, with a backup quarterback um, that did did a lot of good things. I'm proud of our team. Uh, defensively, we're really thin in the secondary. Uh, getting a guy ejected and then getting an injury to Taj uh, really got us thin. And uh, you know, we got we got it's a position we're already thin at, and uh, we got really thin tonight. Um, you know, it, it ended up hurting us late in the game. So. We got to bring some guys along and get them ready, and it hurt it hurts us with uh, you know some of our package when you get both of those guys out. So we got to uh, continue to work on that. There's just plays, you know. It's one of those deals where if it's called, it, it, it's going to be upheld. At certain you know things happen in it. Well, it could be called an awful lot, you know. You know, just to have a game decided in that moment. What a guys, what am I supposed to tell my, I mean, my guys are fighting, clawing, scrambling, trying to get them down, giving everything they got, and get that called. All right, Shane, so obviously on this podcast, we're not ones to bury Mark Stoops. He's done a hell of a job. I think we both had him as SEC Coach of the Year last year. Mm-hmm. But I, this one's on him, man. The Gators yeah. scoring 19 in the fourth quarter and him getting up from the podium. I understand. I mean, it's an emotional game, and they, they let one get away here. But I was I was kind of surprised he was put, putting this one on the refs. Dude, me too. Because, honestly, there was a couple things that, that – like, I like Rose. Don't get me wrong. But Smoke is the guy, you know. There should be no controversy here. Smoke should be getting a lot more carries than he did, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, you got these big-bodied receivers that, when you need them, they came through for you. But then you stopped using them. So I, I didn't, I didn't get that. And then you got Trask coming in, and instead of just pinning your ears back and putting pressure on a quarterback that's never played on a big stage, you you just sit back and let him pick you apart and wonder why he scores a touchdown. So uh, there was a whole bunch of things, and and I am I'm hanging this on the coaching staff. This isn't the players. The players left it out on the field. Both sides, man. It's just, man, say what you want. Dan outcoached him. Yeah, and it's it's kind of hard to see from when you're watching a game on television, but that was definitely my immediate takeaway when they had Trask in there. It just seemed like every time he threw a pass out to the receivers, there was no one within 8 to 10 yards of them <clears throat> every single time. And it's not that you need to play bump and run against a backup quarterback, but you just can't let them have – you know, eight and ten yard receptions all the way down the field all fourth quarter, and that's basically what they did. Don't let him build confidence, you know what I'm saying? I would rather him force a few passes, and if he hits a wide-open receiver because you've got, you you know, you're bringing the heat, so be it, you know? If you just sit back and you let him pick your secondary part that's already thin as it is, you know, you're you're not going to come out ahead. So uh, just the, the, the whole defense. The, I will say this, though, that defensive front of – Honestly, Kentucky, I, I tell you what, man, they they shut Piron out. Kudos to both sides of the trenches there. I I came away from that game realizing how good Kentucky's linemen are. Mm-hmm. Now let's jump over to the other side of this one, Shane. The Gators obviously go on the road here, get a tough win that you could say they were largely outplayed for the first three quarters. 
But it's not about how you start. Obviously, it's how you close. And they, they were the dominant team in the fourth quarter. Uh, let's jump over to Dan Mullen talking about Felipe Franks and just uh, the reaction there in the locker room to losing their quarterback for the year. And uh, then following following up on that is just, you know, surviving on the road in the SEC. That's what you've got to do. I know you and I both don't think Florida is championship caliber yet, but this is how you get there. You win mm-hmm. these games you're not supposed to. That builds a lot of confidence moving forward. You know, and then I think the team, you know, it shows, shows what he means to the team and what the team thinks of him, you know, as a leader of the team and the type of guy he is, uh, how hard he works uh, to go do that. And, you know, shows a lot about him and what the team thinks. It, it really, to me, shows what our team, the respect that they have for his leadership and, uh, and the love that they have for him. You know, it's a pretty close team. And these guys work hard for these things. And, you know, uh, it's just a tragedy when that happens. Well, I, you know, I, I learned we, we still got a long way to go. You know, I'm, you know, uh, I think Kentucky's an excellent football team. I think we came on the road and got a in a very tough environment, came and got a big time win. Uh, and I think we, when dealing with adversity, we found ways to win. You know, I mean, we've we've had a couple of tough games. You know, I mean, we. Seems like we've been in season five weeks. We've played one game in the swamp, you know, and we've, we've been in tougher and tough environments against good football teams, and we found ways to win. Um, and I think you can build a lot off of that. We need to try. We need to get healthy. You know, we need to get healthy. Um, you know, because right now we don't, and, and in recruiting, we eventually we'll build up the depth, hopefully, where we can get through some of this. Um you know, so but we need to get healthy, and but we get to go to the swamp for the next three weeks. Get to be home, you know, next week. I, I know it's an early kick, but I, but I'm gonna tell you what. I mean, we need we need ninety thousand of the Gator Nation making giving us that home field advantage, making that place. I mean, just crazy for the other team coming in there. All right, Shane. So obviously, Felipe Frank's going down. That's huge. Mm-hmm. I'm not trying to no disrespect to him because he, obviously he's going through a tough time right now. But I don't know if they win this game with Franks in there. If Trask was that good or Kentucky's defense, I don't know, just played off him so much. They made him look great. Mm-hmm. So I want to ask you this, Shane. Is there a chance, kind of like South Carolina, that uh, the Gators have upgraded here with Kyle Trask in the lineup? I, you know, I thought about that. And I mean, honestly, from a Tennessee perspective, this is classic Tennessee-Florida one-on-one. You know, Florida <laughs> loses their quarterback right before they meet, and then all of a sudden he does a highlight. Heisman reel next week you know that's what it feels like but I you know something about Trask was you know he was really in the running last year you know something you and I were talking about last season going into the season until he got hurt there was a real shot that Trask was going to be the guy now Trask is a huge quarterback a big-bodied guy he is not going to run a lot and honestly I don't I think the reason that he hasn't got more play time Mm -hmm. is because he doesn't fit what Dan likes to do with quarterbacks. You know what I'm saying? So I I don't know if he's the long-term play down there, but he looked pretty damn efficient, you know, uh, Saturday. Yeah, that's kind of my big question mark for Trask moving forward. It seemed like Felipe Franks really started to buy in late last season and going into this season on using his legs to, you know, they weren't asking him to run all the time, but if they needed them to move the chains, he was able to do it. 
in the red zone. He was able to score. We did see Trask do that in this Kentucky game, but will he be able to do that against Tennessee? I'm not saying he won't, but until we see that, that's probably an aspect of this offense that may be missing. And when you consider the fact Florida's offensive line is struggling, they've, they've not been able to get the ground game going with the running backs much against quality defenses. Uh, Florida may be kind of one-dimensional here moving forward with a pocket passer style of quarterback. Mm-hmm. Dude, I'm telling you, man, when Franks went down, I you you watch some games and you watch a hit and you're like, man, that is a career injury. That's what that one looked like. I thought for sure they were going to bring a helicopter in there, man, because he just it looked like he got destroyed. So mm-hmm. uh, did they ever come out and officially say what happened? Yeah, I think it's described as a dislocated ankle. So I I would imagine that's you know broke ankle and. Well, that's not as bad as I thought, man. I thought it was his back, man. There yeah, he got he got crunched, that's for sure. Yeah. All right, Shane, the other SEC game, let's jump on down to South Carolina. Mike, uh-huh. I'm sorry. I'm sorry to do this to you, but I am curious. You think we're going to see a little bit of, uh, what's his name, Emory next week? Uh, of course. Of course. <laughs> okay. Dual that's threat a, against Tennessee. That's, that's what I was afraid of. Okay. Okay. All right, Shane, let's jump on down to South Carolina. The other game we got going here in SEC play, and Alabama comes away with a 47-23 win over the Gamecocks. And this was a wild one, Shane. I mean, South, excuse me, Alabama unstoppable on offense for much of the game. I mean, they basically did whatever they wanted to this Will Muschamp defense. I'm getting to the point where I'm wondering, yes, I know it's Alabama. It's not like they were going to shut them down, but – yeah. You got to be able to at least slow them down, and they, for the most part, I mean, they got to two a couple times, sacked them a couple times, but beyond that, they didn't. They weren't giving them uh, much resistance. This one, well, I wasn't ready to, you know, blame the refs in the last game, Shane. My mm. God, they were rough in this one, and yeah, everyone outside Alabama fans was seeing it. Uh, <laughs> what, what were your thoughts on uh, Alabama's big win here? Oh man, I bet that SEC officiating crew. Twitter handle got slammed Saturday, buddy. <laughs> because I tell you, it, it it all started to me with the fake punt, which I thought was fantastic. You know, you had this is a game you got to pull stuff like that out. You know, right. and and that whole golly that was questionable. You know what I'm saying? Like I just I, I didn't see it. I and maybe I'm just I don't know. I was kind of looking for an upset here. You know, right? Not not so much an upset. Just wanted to see a close good game. You know and and this was an opportunity that was going to get the momentum and and uh, just stopped everything. And then on the on the flip side of the coin, you know, when he had that, I think I don't think his knee touched the ground. You know, coach says it uh, did, and the, he said the SEC officiate, uh, officials said that his knee hit the ground. I don't, I didn't think so. But mm-hmm. you you know, you're talking about a 14, honestly a 21 point swing because after that punt, you know, Alabama in like two plays was in the end zone. So there was just you know, I hate when games are decided by officials, and that that felt like I don't think that's what. You know, obviously finished the game, but how they got to that point was all about bat some questionable calls. But let me ask you something, man. I said all that to say this. You know, Tua comes out with a career day. I think this is the the most passing yards he's ever had. Mm-hmm. But did you – and maybe I'm just reading into this, but did you walk away from that game saying, man, Tua was awesome? Or were you saying – 
damn, those receivers were awesome because it felt a little Tom Brady-ish where you gave them a 10-yard pass and then it went for 80. Mm-hmm. You know, these these receivers for Alabama are legit. Some of the fastest damn people I've ever seen. Yeah, if, if you're going to critique Tua because of his elite receivers, that's <laughs> I guess that's one way to do it. But you know, I see what you're saying. I mean, there was particularly that one play to Henry Ruggs where I can't remember how far it was, but it, it felt like a 10-yard pass and then he ran for about 80 Mm -hmm. (laughs) there was the Najee Harris uh, beast mode catch and run where he broke about six tackles (laughs) a lot of it was South Carolina poor tackling but yeah you know going back to that fake punt I don't want to linger too much on one damn play but you talk about the swing of just the points but that was huge for taking the crowd out of the game yeah I mean that place was South Carolina and Columbia that's one of the best home field advantages in the SEC when that place is rocking. Mm-hmm. And who in the hell would have think? I know we said Will Muschamp's got to get aggressive. I meant like going for it on fourth down. He's out here wheeling and dealing fake punts, onside kicks. I mean, he was throwing everything against the wall. And I, I couldn't believe it. There was people giving him shit at the end of the first half. They're down, let's see here, 24 to 10. So they were down t- two touchdowns and people were screaming for him to kick a field goal. I mean, field goals are not going to beat two no. with Tua thrown for 400 and nearly 50 yards, five touchdowns. Good luck kicking field goals beating this guy. <laughs> You've got to punch it in the end zone every chance you have. Will Muschamp's smart enough to know that. It didn't work out, but, hey, that that's why they lost the game. If they scored there, maybe they do win the game. I, I really think it kind of comes down to that. Um, I just – if you're a team – if you're LSU, if you're Clemson, if you're Georgia – you can kick field goals against Alabama because you may be able to stop them. But yeah. everyone else, they you have got to go for it. And I give Will Muschamp a ton of credit for at least trying here. Well, that's what we said, man. If they're going to have a shot, they got to play on their toes. And, and I will say this, though. The, after that first one, they shouldn't have ran the second one. If they wanted to go for it on fourth down, they should have trusted Helensky, Smith, and Edwards here. I mean, those guys at times were – almost just as hard to stop as the Alabama receivers, you know? So uh, mm-hmm. I think uh, on that second one, that was a little – that they didn't think that one through. I wish he – I bet he wish he had that playback. Well, let's jump over to Muschamp, Shane. After this one, talking about the Rico Dowell play where it looked like he scored and they called it and no one no one reviewed it or anything. Apparently they can't review it, but I don't, I don't know. I don't know about this one, Shane. And then he was also asked on uh, – his aggressive nature in this game and and why he went into it thinking that. Well, what what was the explanation you got on the Dowdle no review uh, before the end of that? Once the ball is marked down on the field, there is no review. It's the same as last year in the Florida game. And our fan base is still emailing me about, I can't, it's no review, guys. Once it's marked down, it's over. Unless, you know, that's, that's it, period, end of sentence. There's, there's no, you can't review it. I can't call timeout and get a review. I just, it can't, it can't be reviewed. That's the rules. I, I know that you cannot challenge that Rico Dowdle run, but the SEC can look at that play. Any regret moving so quickly to try to get that next playoff? Um, no, they, but the, the SEC can't. Once, once the, the the ball's been called down, it's the once the whistle's blown, guys, it's over. Can't, the, we, we can't do anything. The, the, S, the SEC released a statement saying the replay official saw the right knee down and the call could not be overturned. That's what I just said. But they, but they reviewed the call and said I know, the knee but was down. That's what they're telling me. They, there's nothing we could do. That's what I'm saying. 
guess you talked going into this week about being a little bit aggressive and, and trying to get up fast. Do you, I know it didn't work at times during the game, but do you feel like it paid off being aggressive at times today? Well, again, Colin, you go into every game, and we talk as a staff throughout the week, is what do we need to do to win the game? So it's not just about going forward on fourth down just because we won't want to go forward on fourth down. It's about the situation in the game. It's the field position in the game. It's about a certain punt look or a punt safe look or a punt block look that we get in the game that we look at and we have somebody in the box saying it's there. And, and, and it's all calculated risk on what we want to do. We felt like that the field goal fake was there. We felt like it was there after their, um, let's see, first field goal attempt on the hash. We, we, that was the look they were going with in the game. They don't necessarily change up their look. So we knew right then. We got, we got the look. We got what we want. So those are all things that we talk about through the week, and they're up for us every week. Now we, we may not get the right, right look that we want, so we're not able to call it in those situations. So it just all is about – the, the time and in the, the situation, and, and, and you know, what is it going to do help to help us win? That's really the bottom line. Feel like you came into this game feeling like you had to be any more aggressive than any other week? Is that no? What I felt like we needed to still put some possessions in the game, stay on the field offensively more because of their offense. It's a total different animal what you're trying to face. We get in the red zone, we need to score touchdowns. So yeah, there was a different mindset than maybe we've had other weeks. But it's all it's not the same every week because it it's it, what do you need to do to win the game? And that's the way we felt going into this ball game. At what point in the preparation did you make that decision that that, that, that was going to be the approach? Is this that... summer. Yeah. yeah. All right, Shane. So Will Muschamp, fan of the pod, obviously, is taking our advice here all week long. <laughs> Got to be aggressive here to beat Alabama. And they, they at least they tried. And also give him a ton of credit for. You know, Ryan Helensky, we talk about Tua having a career day. Helensky, 324 yards, two touchdowns, did have an interception. But they have a ton of confidence in this true freshman going up against the best team in the SEC, at least according to, you know, the polls right now. And they they had no fear throwing him out there. Mike, I don't think there's a better one and two team in the nation right now. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I, seriously, I don't think anybody wants to play South Carolina right now because here you got a true freshman you know, what he did against Charleston Southern was it could have been fluke. It could have been, you know, whatever. But what he was able to put against Alabama and Nick Saban's defense was, I mean, downright impressive, dude. I mean, the the, the future is bright at South Carolina. Yeah, absolutely. Because, I mean, he just makes this offense go like, like we've been waiting for Jake Bentley to do for years. You know what? Mm-hmm. And they just need to get that defense figured out. And maybe it's just Alabama making them look bad, but I was just kind of stunned about how just how bad they were in the first half of the game. I mean, they were they like I said, they were offering no resistance. They've got to do something. They got to mix something up on that defense. Uh, they're probably not going to face many quite like this, but hell, Shane, what we saw with Georgia over the weekend, they may may be similar. So uh, they're going to have to do something here. Otherwise, the seasons could go down the drain here. They got some tough games coming up there for the Gamecocks. Yeah, for sure. All right, jumping to the other side of this matchup, Shane, Nick Saban asked about this one after the game. And uh, those true freshman linebackers, Shane, they were having some some busts in this game. And I Mm -hmm. think we saw that, kind of like you're noting, Helensky having such a good day. Uh, Rico Dow had a hell of a day on the ground, 102 yards on only 12 carries. Uh, So Nick Saban asked about uh, benching one of his linebackers there in the middle of his defense. And on the need, Alabama's going to have, I keep hitting this point home, they only had 76 rushing yards in this game on 25 attempts. 
So that's, I mean, that's only three yards of carry there. Saban is hammering home that uh, his team's got to improve on the ground. Well, there was a lot of confusion, you know, with the young guys, with the formations and the motions and some of the things that they were doing. And, um, you know, we tried to get eight settled down by taking them out of the game, put Caho in for a series, and uh, then we put him back in the game. And then, you know, we decided to play Caho a little bit because he's a good football player and he needs to get some experience himself. Nick, is this who you guys are offensively? By any measure, this is one of the best passing offenses in the country. Well, we need to have more balance on offense. I, it's great that we're a great passing team, uh, and I'm happy with that. And I think we're doing a good job of featuring some of our best talent on our team uh, by what we're doing. Uh, but I also think from a team standpoint, you know, we need to be able to run the ball effectively as well. If it's not broke, don't fix it. And if we're making it work and we're moving the ball and we're making plays, um, why change? And again, I'm going to tell you that probably half the passes today were run pass options, RPOs. And you know they were playing a lot of cover six and eight guys in, you know, six in the box. So those are all reads to throw. And that that's the deal. So I, I'm not apologizing for that. Uh, because we continue to make plays. But I don't think you can totally depend on that. Uh, I think last year, you know, we got to where we were so good at doing that. We didn't do other things well, and we played really good teams at the end. And, you know, we couldn't do enough other things to be effective. All right, Shane. So this is kind of my major thing that I just keep seeing every week against the tide here. Yes, they're throwing for 500 yards, so it's understandable that they're not going to the ground game. But... I just don't think they're going to be able to do this time and time again against a lot of these elite defenses that they're going to see down the line. They they certainly learned that lesson last season in the playoff, and I think Saban's smart enough to see it coming again. They've got to get this offensive line, this ground game going uh, once SEC play gets going. I think you're right, man. And and Saban is not happy with this victory. I'll tell you, if anytime Alabama does, you know, has a win. It doesn't have a hundred yards rushing. I mean, I, I said, when's the last time that's happened down there in Alabama? You know what I'm saying? So he does not want to get in a shootout with teams like LSU and, you know, maybe Clemson or something like that, you know, or who knows Georgia and the SEC championship. I mean, it could be, it could be anybody. So you can't get in a shootout. You have to have a balanced offense. And, and the only one that's going to hurt is the defense. You know, when you see Alabama scored in four plays, the defense is right back on the field, you know, and that's going to take a toll toward the end, and, and especially as thin as they are at linebacker. Yeah, that's right now. That's that's the main weakness I'm seeing here. Najee Harris, he killed it in <laughs> catching the ball. Shane, he had five catches, 87 for two touchdowns, but he only had 36 yards on the ground. That's just uh, until they get that fixed, Shane. I'm just I'm kind of fixated on that, and that's why. As good as Tua is, as good as these receivers are, that's why I still have Georgia and LSU above them because I think, uh, I don't know, that in the SEC play, especially once it starts getting colder, that's uh, that's that's how you win SEC championships. It's not through the air. Yeah. 
Boy, Harris, if you didn't see that Harris replay, get ready, because you're going to see about a thousand times before the season's up. You know, I watched that play. I was like, oh, my God, this is going to be on every commercial now from here on out. <laughs> All right, Shane, let's jump on down to Athens. The Bulldogs, Shane, they finally showed the team we all thought they were. You know, it, it kind of reminded me, I don't, I don't know what you think of this metaphor, Shane, but my dog, when he wakes up in the morning, he's got a stretch, he gets all limber, <laughs> takes him about five minutes, but then he's a damn hurricane. <laughs> and that's what it reminded me of these Bulldogs, Shane. They kind of came out a little slow, I thought, this season. And, you know, this what was the line in this game, like 32, 33? And I yeah. picked Arkansas State. I mean, I thought there was a good chance the way Georgia had been playing – they wouldn't be able to cover this. This was this was never in doubt. Fifty-five to zero, beat a, you know, not an excellent Arkansas State, but a, a very good Sun Belt team by half a hundred here. Yeah. And uh, man, these receivers, uh, they could have picked their score here. They took their foot off the gas here. Uh, Georgia was all over it. Three hundred eighty-eight passings, two hundred sixty-eight rushing yards. Swift looked like an All-American. George Pickens, uh, Blaylock, the freshman receivers, they looked outstanding. What was your thought on? Uh, I mean, this is this is the team we thought they were. Yeah, you know, the fifth string running back didn't look so bad either. <laughs> you know, <laughs> oh man, we talk about just how loaded uh, Alabama's wide receivers are, and then you see Georgia's running backs. You know, it's just some people are blessed, man. And and Georgia, this is something we were talking a lot about this offseason. Is is they've got plenty of talent at receiver. It's just going to. Uh, it's it's just going to need help, you know, getting it ready, uh, getting the chemistry together. And, and it feels like here we are week three and Georgia's starting to hit on all cylinders. And opposite of Alabama, there's not a more balanced team out there right now than Georgia. Yeah, I think you're right. And obviously they got Notre Dame next week. So this is the perfect time to be hitting their stride. And it's not just the offense. Obviously, it's flip over to the defense side. I mean, they they were outstanding. They allowed 43 rushing yards in this game. They held Arkansas State to 5 of 17 on third down conversions. That's outstanding. Uh, they were just harassed the this Arkansas State team all day. And uh, that's something Kirby Smart hit on after the game. Uh, he's talking about his young receivers here emerging. This these are the guys we said all you know we've been saying for weeks need to emerge if Georgia's going to win it all this year like they hope to do. And then I also thought this was kind of interesting, Shane. Last thing he hit on in his press conference on his team not looking ahead to Notre Dame, I think you could certainly think that the Bulldogs may because that's such a big game and it's a game everyone's talking about. They're expanding Sanford Stadium, Shane. It's going to be the largest capacity ever for this Notre Dame game. So much hype, but the Bulldogs didn't get caught up in it. Well, um, when they've had an opportunity, they've they've uh, done well. They've they've blocked the perimeter well. They played physical. Um, they play fast. A lot of guys have got to play. Um, we haven't had a lot of drops. We've had some lack of execution that has to improve to get to where we want to go. And um, they continue to improve. I'm proud of them for all the the words and, and all the criticism that was out there for them, or concern, I should say, that was out there for them. And I, I think they've responded well to that. But we just don't have a deep group there. I mean, we're, we're, we're thin at wide out, and it's, uh, it's tough because guys are going down. Can you talk about the learning curve that, that Pickens has been on? It seems like each week right before our eyes we're seeing more from George. 
Well, I, I think you're seeing that because he's, you know, he, we're, we're trying to use his talents more. Um, first game, you didn't know how he would respond, and, and we tried to get him the ball there some late. And then second game, we certainly had some opportunities to use him. And he's, he's improving, and he's also proving that he can become accountable. And, you know, all, all people see is the catches. You don't see when he doesn't catch the ball or he has a busted route. He had several things today that he didn't do right and he didn't do well. So he has a lot of improving to do where I know the consensus will be he had catches, he had wows, he had this. But when he didn't have the ball or the ball was not thrown to him, a lot of those were because he wasn't doing what he was supposed to do. Yeah, I don't. I mean, I'm not with the kids 24/7. I'm not on their phones with them. I think they live in a, in a in a different world nowadays, where there's so much information that it's not like you're worried about them being worried about Notre Dame. You're worried about them being worried about everything because they constantly are getting information. It's information overload all the time. So we just try to concentrate on Arkansas State. We talked about them each day. Talked about their program and their their conference, and I'll try to go out and play them. All right, Shane. So once again, Kirby's fixated on his receivers. Run blocking, mm-hmm. but that's kind of uh, you know that's that's where Georgia's at at a program. I mean, you bring in these five star players, and you bring them in there to help explosive plays in the pass game. But Kirby Smart is not letting them on the field until they're complete players. It uh, seems like he's getting he's pretty happy with uh, the results he's getting from these young freshmen. God, wouldn't that be nice, Mike? If that's all you got to worry about. It's your freshman receivers blocking, you know. <laughs> hey, I will say this. Kudos to the fans down there with the pink out. I thought that was awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, if you didn't know, uh, Arkansas State's head coach, his wife passed away to uh, to cancer. And and, I, and and this was like late notice. They decided to pink this thing out. And, and uh, you look across the stadium, I thought it was pretty impressive, man. Yeah, and I don't know if you saw it after the game, Shane, but uh, the, the head coach, when he was leaving the field, some of the Georgia fans gave him his pink, their pink, uh, you know, spiked shoulder pads, like just giving him some memorabilia. I know uh, in his post-game presser, he was pretty touched by just the Georgia fan base. So uh, all around outstanding job here from Georgia and the fans here in Athens show just being a class acts for a team that, uh, you know, Whenever you beat a team this bad, you a lot of times you don't keep it classy, but uh, <laughs> the Bulldogs sure, certainly did this weekend. Now that that week's over, we can get nasty, Mike, because Notre Dame's <laughs> coming to town. <laughs> Before we get to that one, though, Shane, let's uh, jump over to Auburn. War damn eagle. For the Tigers, they took care of business here, Shane. 55-16 to beat Kent State. And I'm not concerned by this at all shame but i will say you know coming into this one we kind of questioned the offense and its consistency and everything well the the offense had no issue i mean they just went through this damn team like a hot knife through butter but it was the defense i don't want to say they struggled but they gave up 10 early points to kent state i was pretty shocked by that i was feeling good about taking kent state in the 35 until old uh (laughs) Joey Gatewood and Gus Malzahn put kept their foot on the pedal there to the last damn minute to to get that backdoor cover. But uh, you know Auburn, I think they fixed most of what they had to do on offense, and I think that's exactly 
what they were hoping to get accomplished in this game with SEC play upcoming this next week. Uh, what were your thoughts, Shane, on Auburn taking care of business in this one? Uh, kind of the same thing, man. I think it was like, what, 24-10 at half or something like that? Mm-hmm. And I was like, here we go, you know. <laughs> Another bet of Shane's going the wrong way. But I, I will say this, man. When they opened up that running game, it was over. I, I really, I think Kent State gave everything they had the first half, and they just didn't have enough. So they they couldn't do anything against this defense the second half, and and golly, I think they had three guys with over a hundred yards rushing. So you know that's that's Auburn football, man. Is you got to have that running game to help your passing game, and it can't all be on a freshman Bo Nix's shoulders, you know. you got to have that rushing attack, so I'm kind of glad they got back to that. I hope they can build off of it in the future games, especially this week. Yeah, check it out, Shane. Auburn, 467 rushing yards in this game. Jeez. That's what you want to see. Booby Whitlow, Gatewood, Sean Shivers, all over 100. Cam Martin was 74, and Bo Nix even had 21, which it would have been better, you know, they in college for some reason they sacks are against you in the rushing, but uh, they they utilized Bo Nix quite a bit here in the in the running game, and that really helped Auburn. It I think it opened up their entire offense. That's something they have to do. You obviously don't want Bo Nix taking many hits, but uh, you got to involve him in the running game because they're going to need that especially coming up here at A&M, at Florida, these tough games. They have to honor Bo Nix in the running game. Otherwise, the whole system kind of breaks down here. Uh, so let's jump over to Gus Malzahn. Uh, he was a pretty happy camper after this one, Shane, talking about uh, Bo Nix and his throwing the ball, which uh, he did. He missed a, a touchdown or two, so he's still got a, a ways to go on, on just his touch. I mean, overall, it's 12 of 16, 160 yards passing. But uh, let's jump over to Gus talking about Bo Nix and then Auburn's uh, running game in this one. No, no, it's it's real important. I mean, when we're running the football and, and we're playing with pace, that's when we're at our best. It opens everything else up. And so I thought it was a really good night. And I think more than anything, it was probably just a commitment, um, you know, to run the run the football. And you saw we were very committed tonight, and uh, I know that helped also. Uh, I thought he was okay. I mean, I thought he was okay. I mean, uh like I said, we'll, we'll continue to, to get better. And, and I want to say this too. I mean, we've had we've had uh, musical chairs with it, injuries with our wide receivers, and so you saw we had receivers in different positions tonight. Um, when you lose a guy like Seth Williams, it doesn't just change one position. <laughs> I mean, it changes a lot of different things. And you know, J.J. Wilson. I mean, he really did some good things tonight. I think he only got the ball like three times, but he got a chance to get out there. He's a guy that I think could really be a very good player for us. Uh, Matthew Hill, same way, uh, you know, so it'll be good once we get all of our guys back healthy. We'll see if that happens next week. Hopefully it will, but uh, we'll uh, we'll play who's ready to go. All right, Shane, so Gus pretty fired up about his squad here, and they're looking pretty good. I think this is, uh, this is how you want to be playing heading into SEC play, don't you think? Yeah, without a doubt. And, and you didn't have to give up too much, you know. I I think he wants to reserve a little bit of that playbook for this coming up week, and he was able to do so at Kent State. All right. Well, speaking of not tearing it up, Shane, let's jump over to Mississippi State. But man, this was a tough one for Joe Moorhead and his team. They <sighs> dropped to Kansas State 31-24. 
This is a wild one, Shane. I mean, it was back and forth, and it really came, seemed to really come down to the kickoff return touchdown. Uh, for those that missed it, Mississippi State jumped out to a 24-17 to lead right uh, near the end of the third quarter, maybe the beginning of the fourth quarter, and Kansas State returned the kickoff, you know, the length of the field, obviously, and, and that was the momentum changer of this one, it seemed like. Yeah, I mean, there was a lot in this game, too, man. This is my $100 lock of the week not coming through. I was, uh, but I thought it was going to happen, you know. When when he threw that pick, when uh, t- t- oh, turnover Tommy threw that pick, and then they got, they fumbled the ball, and Mississippi State got it back. I was like, oh, man, this is the football gods are smiling down on me now. You know what I'm saying? It's like, they're going to make this happen. But then, it was these little plays like this, you know, that they just let get away. And I tell you, I don't know about, I don't know about Tommy. Uh, he just didn't look right. You know what I'm saying? Like he, right. he, he cannot be a hundred percent. And then I really like this. I, I don't know about you, but the, I call him the bearded shaver, you know, <laughs> <laughs> I just think that I think he's better than people think, you know, I mean, he kind of reminds you a little bit of Nick, just how, how much he likes to run the ball. But yeah. dude, when he was when he gave all he had on that fourth down and was launched like fifteen feet in the in the air, just spinning around, I was like, "Damn, that that guy is doing everything he can for this team." You just don't you just don't see guys like that anymore. Yeah, I'm surprised so many people having that same kind of reaction because I was a little bit critical of the freshman Garrett Schrader. I got jumped all over, but Tommy Stevens kind of hit on it there, Shane. He didn't look himself. He basically only looked like the guy we know the final drive of the first half. I mean, he threw a beautiful, I think it was like a 35-yard yeah. pass touchdown in the back back of the end zone that, I mean, it was just with guys draped all over the receiver, but he put it right where it had to, right, right where it needed to be. But he had another interception off a of receiver's hands. That, that wasn't on him, but his second one, right where they yanked him, it was a really bad throw, and it came after – a really bad overthrow. I mean, it's so two yeah. two passes in a row sailed on him. He had the fumble where he's just running around, and I don't know what happened. He just the ball slipped out on him or something. But mm-hmm. he was like you said, he was turnover Tommy today. He was not a hundred percent clearly, and that makes me wonder. I mean, surely they ha- they were preparing Garrett Schrader for this game, but the biggest question mark in Mississippi now, I think, or in Starkville, I should say is where's Keaton Thompson, Shane? Because I know Garrett Schrader led a touchdown drive, and he looked good on that one. But beyond that, I mean, his passing game was very inconsistent. He was making some curious decisions out there. Yes, we've all seen the helicopter. I mean, you're right. I mean, he's he's given everything he's got for this team. But he also ran, I think that was fourth and 18, and he's trying to run for it. I mean, these are the mistakes you see from a freshman yeah. They also had they also had the ball in the final you know forty seconds I think it was with no timeouts and he's they basically got two plays because they didn't they didn't really know how to execute with this freshman back there and I'm not putting that all on him because it's kind of hard to ask him you know he was maybe unprepared for this but you got a guy in Keaton Thompson that's that's just sitting there mm-hmm. and uh, that's the biggest question mark to me Shane and I'm not. I don't have any information on this, so I'm not saying he's totally involved in it, but you know, all the speculation that he was involved in that academic mischief. Yeah. I think it's 
it seems to be that he is now because why? I mean, they basically threw this game away because they didn't they wouldn't put him out there. Is kind of how I is is kind of how I'm reading it because they had a freshman quarterback that looked great at times, but at other times looked like he was not ready. And mm-hmm. they've got a they've got a guy ready there, but I, they just won't put him out on the field. Dude, I'm I was about to say the exact same thing, and go with me. You know, he went into the transfer portal and came back out. What if he was told, you know, hey, you could transfer, but you're still going to be suspended the following year. You know what I'm saying? Right. So he might as well come back. So I don't know. That's that's interesting. It's an interesting uh, take. And honestly, I wasn't surprised last week, you know, when uh, when Tommy came out that, that Keaton didn't come in. But this week was just red flag. So it almost makes me think that that's exactly what's happened here. He's one of the uh, one of the few that got popped with the with the scandal. So so that being said, you know, I think Schrader had moments, man. I really do. I mean, I grant he's a freshman. But there was some times the ball was on. There were some times, yes, he made some snap decisions and he wanted to run first. But that's that's what you get with a with a freshman quarterback, man. If you if your first, maybe your second read's not there, your your clock's ticking, man. You know you only got so much time and you're going to tuck and run. And and that's one thing though he was very efficient at, man. When he did run, he there was a lot of times he got the first down. Well, let's jump over to what Joe Moorhead said after this one, Shane, because his, you know, he was asked about why why is Keaton not playing. His answer here, I just kind of, I don't know if I'm really buying it. Just with the quarterbacks, I know Garrett came in last week. Was that kind of the plan all week, or was there a decision to move him into the number two spot? And kind of where does Keaton stand in that? Say it one more time. Where does Keaton stand in the quarterback group? Is Garrett the number two guy right now? Garrett's number two, yeah. And Keaton, I mean, we evaluate that, you know, every day in practice and, and I'm sure you guys know that Keaton was going through some upper body stuff, you know, through the course of camp and, you know, was off for a week and then came back and he's still working through some of that stuff health-wise and mechanically. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, Tommy's a one, Garrett was a two, and, uh, you know, Keaton and Jalen were taking reps as well this week. I don't want to call it a setback with Tommy because obviously I don't know any of the specifics, but at this point, how worried are you that it could become a, a weekly thing that he's sort of dealing with that upper body injury? Yeah, hopefully not. You know, we'll uh, you know, get him reassessed tonight and tomorrow, and see where he's at. And you know, he got cleared and he wanted to play and he wanted to give it a give it a shot. And I think he did good in the first half, but like I said, just just didn't feel like he could perform at the level we needed him to. And you know, he's not a selfish guy. He's not gonna go out there and try to do it. And you know, uh, you know, once he, he he made that play, we decided it was best for us to make a move. All right, Shane. So now that they need Keaton. A mystery training camp injury has appeared. <laughs> he, he doesn't look injured on the sideline, but no. uh, I, I'm not a doctor, so I don't know. It's, uh, it's This is a mystery that we may not get an answer to here, but if Tommy Stevens can't go, Shane, when Mississippi State gets in a – you know, they're playing Kentucky next week. If Garrett Schrader struggles and Keaton does not come out there and Tommy Stevens is unavailable – I think we'll have our answer. What do you think? If Mississippi State wants to make a bowl game, they're going to have to play him. You know what I'm saying? Uh, if Tommy's a no-go, either, I mean, unless unless you just want to roll with the freshman, which I don't, I don't see Coach doing that. There's all, let's say let's say I'm going off the the premise that he's suspended. We don't know that, but if he is, there's only a handful of games that you can have him play. 
I want to do it now while Tommy's hurt, and maybe we can fix that situation. Uh, mm-hmm. Because a team like Kentucky, they're going to have to beat teams like this if they want to go to a bowl game, man. Mm-hmm. My last thought on this one, Shane, because I'm not hitting the panic button. Mississippi State can certainly recover from this. But this Kansas State offense, Shane, I would hate to be a fan of this team. I mean, it's like run for three yards, run for four yards, play action to the tight end or fullback, and then oh. run for four yards, run for three yards. I thought, that, that's I all thought it was, was for, for, for four quarters. I thought it was Georgia State there for a second, man. It was just a, it was just so – there was nothing. And I will tell you, man, I don't know if heat was a factor too. You got to – I mean, it was triple digits all game long. And and maybe something to consider with some of these southern teams, if you can put it at seven or nine when it's cooler, you know, getting them out there. But technically it was 11 o'clock, man. You know what I'm saying? This mm-hmm. game was, was – it, it was just – I don't know. It was a setup for a mess, and I should have thought about that. I should have called my meteorologist friend, Mike, and asked what the weather was going to be like out there because i tell you what, the only people looking more miserable than the players were them fans, and they'd go, to the, they'd go to the audience, and some of those people were struggling, man. All right, Shane, let's jump over to Arkansas Whoopee. where the Razorbacks beat Colorado State 55-34. Mm. And this game was actually a little lot closer than the final score indicated. I mean, I picked Arkansas on the 10 points, but I was kind of sweating it here until the fourth quarter, Shane. But, hey, no surprise. We've been saying this for damn near two months now. This Arkansas offense with Nick Starkle under center is just a completely different team. And, uh, I mean, it makes you wonder what in the hell the coaches were seeing here because it's not only the passing game, where Starkle threw for 305 yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions. But his ability to throw all over the field opens things up for these running game. I mean, Rakeem Boyd had his best day, 122, two touchdowns. And the biggest thing, aside from Nick Starkle, Shane, is Arkansas finally, this is a team for going all the way back to the Bielema era. They get a lead in these games, and then they collapse late. And this was the exact opposite, where they took a lead, Colorado came fighting back, and instead of wilting, Arkansas got stronger and just destroyed them in the fourth quarter to come away with a big win. Yeah, I was wrong on this one, Mike. Starkle actually did look really good, and just imagine if he would have started week one, Mike, they may be undefeated right now, you know? Mm-hmm. That's just where Arkansas's at, and the offense did good. The defense didn't look as good, but, um, mm-hmm. you know, they're, they're definitely going to have to work on a few things getting into conference play, but... Uh, uh, for a team, you know, this was big for them. I don't know if you saw some of the videos coming out after, you know, with Coach in the locker room. Did you see that? Oh, yeah. They were going oh. to the uh, Dub Club, I think they <laughs> called it. The Dub Club, man. And they were cranking. So, you know, that's got to be good. That's got to feel good. Because uh, here you are, you know, what, two and one? I mean, mm-hmm. you're going in the right way, Arkansas. And now they got the San Jose State next week. Good chance to go three and one here before they get in to more SEC play. Uh, let's mm-hmm. jump over to Chad Morris talking about his team finally getting over that fourth quarter stigma and on Nick Starkle's performance and uh, how it's kind of bringing out the best in Arkansas's young freshman receivers. Uh, Coach Morris, uh, when Nick had to make a play, it seemed like Trey Knox or Traylon Burks was the guy. Mm-hmm. 
I mean, how good is it to see them all being on, you know, looking at each other, knowing they're the guy to make the play, and they're true freshmen as well. Yeah, and you know, I thought Mike Woods did some really good things as well too. Um, it's it just shows the confidence level that 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 Nick has in those two guys. Um, obviously, their 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 playmaking ability has has shown up over and over and over, um, and so that it doesn't surprise me they're able to make plays. Uh, really proud of them. I think again, they, they got a great a great future ahead of them. We got to keep getting them better. We got to clean up some of the mistakes that were made, but uh, they're giving everything they got, and, and you know, I, I, that's all you can ask. Coach, last week you mentioned that Nick Starkle provided a spark in the offense. How has the team reacted to him as a starting quarterback, and what differences has he made? How has he jump started to change the offense? Yeah, um, I, I think again, I think we saw some of that last week in the second half. Uh, I think you saw his ability to move the offense. I thought that our offense picked up kind of where we left off last week. Uh, he did provide that spark for us. Our players rallied around him. Um, they know it's going to take all those guys in that quarterback room to be successful. But very proud of the way that, that all our guys, defensively, offensively, just came and you know, basically put their hand on Nick and said, let's go, man. You're, you're, you're our guy, and we're going we're gonna to support you, and let's go, go, go show us. And he did. Chad, you kind of touched on this, but really going back to way before you got here, Arkansas had a habit of building leads and, and blowing them. And then today you had a lead, they caught up, but then, you know, then you made play, you got stops, you, you scored. I mean, it's how good, was, is that kind of the culture change everybody's been talking about, you know? Well, I, I mean, I, again, it's, it's, it's one game. Um, and, and yes, I, I thought that that was huge for the culture of this football team and what we've talked about. And uh, because it took great mental and physical toughness to finish. And so, yes, I, I would say that that had a lot to do with it. Um, but, uh, again, we've got to continue to put, put games together. All right, Shane, it's almost like they should have been playing this kid from the start. <laughs> it took Chad Morris a little while to figure it out, but he got, he got it. Give him credit for finally getting it. Uh, but I did write, kind of like you said there, the defense. That is an interesting note. I was asked to write about this game as soon as it – uh, concluded here and basically my metaphor Shane you know when a dam's breaking and there's a leak and you go over there and you run and you and you clog it up and you fixed it and then as soon as you got it fixed with the Nick Starkle in there uh, then the defense falls apart there's there's another part of the dam coming loose you gotta go <laughs> fix it Arkansas's really got to get this defense under control I mean they yeah. allowed a 75 yard rush right up the gut first play they allowed a 75 yard reception there in late in the third I mean, they were just given bus after bus. They get, they allowed 424 yards, 200 through the air, 220 on the ground. Uh, it, that's not going to work in SEC play. I know it's Mike Bobo running the shots here, but he's – I mean, this is no elite offensive team here. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yes, Nick Starkles is going to clog some holes there, but they really need to uh, get this defense going here heading into SEC play. Yeah, you can't give up the big ones, man. And especially when you do get into conference play and you need that home field advantage, you need your fans fired up because nothing takes the air out of the stadium quicker than a 75-yard touchdown for the opposing <laughs> team. You know what I'm saying? It's just you can't have that. You got to you got to you got to keep them in front of you and and they've got some young kids and that's what, you know, one of the biggest concerns with young talent is all it takes is one mistake, and somebody's behind you. All right, Shane. So let's jump over to just 
basically cream puff Saturday here. We've got five mm-hmm. games here. We're just going to hit on these ones real quick just because there's just not a ton to learn from these games. We wanted to spend more time on the games that actually mattered this week. Uh, let's start with your boy Shane. Tennessee gets their first win of the year, 45-0 over UTC. Uh, five turnovers for Chattanooga. That was the difference in the game. And how about this, Shane? This was pretty bizarre. I did not knew, know this was a stat coming into it, but Garantano threw, uh, had three touchdown passes. He's never had three touchdown passes in his career until today, and he did it on seven of eight throwing. So, he, I, yes, it was Chattanooga, but he got going, and that's what Tennessee needs moving forward. Yeah, yeah, I mean <laughs> – you know, the thing about <laughs> Garantano, you know, that first series, he they throw a bomb and it's it's underthrown and the guy almost picks it off, you know. Any any SEC team would have picked it off. So I was like, you know what? That's okay. That's one play. He needs the practice. What do we do? We go six rush, you know, six running attempts and, and we're in the end zone. I was like, oh, okay. You know, Ty Chandler does not need practice. Garantano needs the practice. You know what I'm saying? So – uh, there was another touchdown that was slightly behind the receiver. So, I mean, I'm nitpicking, but it is important. But, you know, maybe this is building his, his uh, I don't want to say ego, but his uh, confidence. You know what I'm saying? So, and I will say, kudos to Coach for putting the backup in because when I saw both of them guys playing, I realized real quick why Garantano is the starter. So... <laughs> I'm just going to shut up right now. Clearly, we do not have a Trask or a bearded Schrader. You know, Schrader. I can't say his name. Is it Schrader? Schrader, right? Just, you know? just call him Beardy. We know who you're talking Beard. about. Beard, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, clearly, we don't have that backing up uh, Garantano, which is kind of scary. But that's where we're at now. So, But I will say, kudos to the defense, man. That's a shutout. And anybody you can shut out and keep zero points on the board, that's, that's impressive. Mm-hmm. All right, Shane, let's jump on down to Baton Rouge, where the Tigers come away with a 65-14 win over Coach O's alma mater, Shane, Northwestern State. And, yes, that sounds like a blowout, but this one, this was a close one, Shane. I mean, it was 24-14 at halftime. LSU's defense, once again, almost like in the Texas game, they could not stop this passing attack. And this I don't know much about Northwestern State, Shane, but I know they're not good. So <laughs> this is a huge cause for concern here, I think. I mean, obviously you win the game, but it's not going to haunt you that you did this. But they got to get these issues corrected. Uh, now, they did have a lot of defensive players sitting out. Uh, but without uh, Calavon Chasson out there, it's, they couldn't get a pass rush on this team. Uh, I'm, I'm a little concerned here. Joe, Joe Burrow did have 373, two touchdowns. Uh, but the running game here... Only 122 yards rushing on Northwestern State. I'm a little concerned there too, Shane, about if the the Tigers can get this ground game going in this new offense in SEC play. Yeah, I'm a little concerned, but this is just feels like one of those games when it when it came down to crunch time, LSU did LSU stuff. So I, I think we were good there. Mm-hmm. All right, Shane, let's jump over to uh, Missouri. They beat the hell out of. Uh, Simu, Southeast Missouri, <laughs> 50 to 0. <laughs> I believe the offense scored on like the second or third play of the game. And then on defense, mm-hmm. they opened it up with a pick six. 
And then I was like, well, hell, this this one's over. And it was. <laughs> it was it was over from there. But uh, Missouri took care of business. I mean, this Seamus, they only had 94 yards of total offense. Missouri had 501. Uh, I mean, this was a damn bloodbath here. But, uh, I mean, that's what you want to see from Missouri. Now they're going into SEC play, taking care of business, something that they obviously did not do week one. Any mm-hmm. takeaways from uh, – Missouri hanging half a half a hundred here on their in-state rival. Oh, dude, they're confident, man. This is this is good for them. I mean, I, I didn't expect to see anything in this game, and honestly, didn't see much. I mean, that that just stood out. Just that miss. Just that Missouri knows that they're there. You know, they're back. This is this is the team that we expected to see all off season. So I just felt that confidence on the field. And that's important going into SEC play. Yeah, one other thing I did want to mention on this game, Shane, uh, I want to give credit to the fans here because Missouri had a nice showing for this game, and they even had a ton of students stay for the entire game, even though they won 50-0. to Barry Odom ran over there after the game and was high-fiving all the students that stayed and everything and and just thanked them. And he also did that in his post-game presser. And why I think that's important, Shane, is because – uh, for, you know, obviously Missouri fans know this, but maybe some others don't. But we all remember the protests and everything, and that turned off a lot of Missouri fans. And I know mm-hmm. this team had nothing to do with that. Barry Odom had nothing to do with that. But uh, it's I just think it's a good sign that uh, people are coming back out, supporting this team that deserve to be supported because this is a hell of a team that got here in Missouri. They, I mean, they could go on a real roll here, and uh, I just like to see the fans uh, rallying, rallying behind them here. That's a good point, man, because there was a lot of stadiums thinned out pretty quick this Saturday, you know? <laughs> yeah. All right, Shay, let's jump on down to Oxford where Ole Miss – I don't want to say took care of business because this was a sloppy one, Shane, but they beat uh, SLU, South Louisiana, I think. I don't even mm-hmm. know what the hell team this is. But they beat them 40-29 to 29 here, and LSU, or Ole Miss needed a late score here to kind of seal this one. <laughs> and, you know, we were hitting on this game on Friday just on what we wanted to see, Shane. And I said this has got to be Jerry on Ely's coming out party. And he set the all-time – Ole Miss true uh, freshman record for all-purpose yards. And <laughs> that's what you're looking for, Shane, when you sign a five-star. You, you sign him so that you can beat these F- FCS teams. Absolutely, man. But this is the first step, man. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's funny you say that because as soon as I switched over this game, I didn't watch much of it. But as soon as I did, there's Ely streak. And I was like, damn, you know, I'm working with Nostradamus over here, you know? <laughs> So I was uh I, I I was pretty impressed, but I will say I'm not impressed with them giving up 29 points to old Slew over here. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, and also you know I didn't mention this with any of these other cupcake games yet, but I I don't hold it against these teams honestly if they've looked decent against them because I I just don't think it's I think it's really hard for these SEC schools to get up for these. They know yeah. they're going to dominate these teams. You know what? Yeah, for sure. That's why they usually are so slow at starting. Mm-hmm. All right, final one to hit on, Shane. This was uh, the worst one from a viewing experience, I thought. Texas A&M took care of business 62-3 to over some school called Lamar. And I, apparently it's not the singer, Shane. I looked up, I looked into it. <laughs> but uh, the Aggies put up 633 yards total offense. Kellen Bond looked good. 
had a nice bounce back performance here. Uh, the Aggies had 223 rushing yards on 34 carries. And uh, this is the performance you want to see coming off a tough loss against Clemson. No hangover. They're getting into SEC play next week at Auburn. Uh, this is this is what uh, Jimbo Fisher wanted to see. Yeah, like I think they gave up like a hundred yards offense here. You know, the defense was <laughs> defense did what they're supposed to. Uh, you know, Maude did have that one pick, but other than that, this thing was not even close. You know what I'm saying? How do you feel about Spiller, man? Well, I mean, it's like a, it's kind of hard to judge off this game, but he had a nice performance because they're going to be relying on him. That's the one Jimbo yeah. Fisher said will be the, the guy that takes the place of Jay Sean Corbin, who's out for the year. Spiller, in his first kind of role as the lead guy, I mean, he averaged over eight yards per carry. That's what you want to see. Uh, I, I think we really can't judge him, though, until they yeah. play that Auburn defense next week. Yeah, good point, Mike. all right Shane so uh, I think we got this one out pretty we wrapped it up pretty quickly in in enough time to uh, hit on our little game we like to play here on Sunday evenings when we get a chance guess the week four lines and we got some good ones Shane so let's just jump right into it Uh, week four Shane we got some some real good games here let's start with uh, kind of the non-conference ones the ones that are not so great Southern Miss at Alabama. Mm. <laughs> I know your favorite Alabama in this game, but what did you predict the opening line to be in this one? I've got Alabama favored by 40. What about you? Ooh, you almost hit it right on the head there, Shane. I said Alabama I thought would be favored by 45, but the actual line is Alabama 39. So you were only one digit off there, Shane. Mm. I know it's early, but you think uh, Alabama can cover that against these uh, screaming Eagles here? <laughs> I think so, man. I do. <laughs> Did you see that damn offense? I mean, uh, yeah, I think I think Tua could take half his receivers into this game, you know, and they'll be fine. One of them. He could just pick one of them. Like, <laughs> all right, Judy, you're up, you know. <laughs> all right, how about this one, Shane? San Jose State at Arkansas. Where do you think the line was there? San Jose State. Oh, you okay? We're going that way. I've got Arkansas favored by nine. Hmm. I was a little bit more in with uh, Arkansas. I said I thought Arkansas would be favored by fourteen, and the actual line when it came out, Arkansas minus eighteen. So Jeez. a ton of faith here. Uh, so it sounds like you're just still not quite a believer here in this Razorback <laughs> team here, are you? Well, it's not that. It's just. Honestly, I don't know much about San Jose State, you know, just other than box score. I haven't got to watch any film on them. So, okay. Uh, I, I'm just, I'm a little more conservative, you know. I just think maybe it's a low scoring game. I got you. All right. Last non conference game here, Shane, but this could be a good one. Cal, California at Ole Miss. Who'd you have favored in this one? I have got Ole Miss favored by two. And I thought uh, Cal by six, Shane. Cal's, a, they're actually a ranked team now. Oh, jeez. They beat Washington two weeks ago. Coming in Oxford, this is going to be a big game, Shane, but uh, you were actually closer. N- neither team was favored at opening, Shane. It was a pick em. Thoughts on uh, Ole Miss, basically, you know, a home pick em here. N- not an underdog, but not a favorite against Cal. Any surprise there? 
Yeah, I'm really surprised, you know, because Washington's got a pretty good squad. But, you know, I mean, it's got Eason, man. They they shut out Eason. So uh, they got to be worth something. But I don't know. That's that's interesting. So Ole Miss is a pick em. Uh Who's Cal's coach? It just seems like I should know this. Uh, yeah, his name is Justin Wilcox, who he was formerly defensive coordinator at Tennessee under Derek That's Dooley. Right. That's right. Yeah, I got you. Yeah, let's go with the pick them then. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Shane, getting into SEC play, we're going to get some good games next week. LSU at Vanderbilt. Who did you have favored in this one? I got LSU favored by 31. Ooh, a little too high, Shane. I said Vander- or, excuse me, LSU by 23. And at opening, LSU favored by 19 and a half. I think uh, looking at it early, that's got to be one of our favorite bets right there, I would think. Yeah. You think the Tigers getting less than three touchdowns there against Vanderbilt? Yeah, I think so, man. I mean, unless they're like going off the Georgia game, but, you know, I just think that LSU's offense has had plenty of tests by this point and. They're humming, dude. They're going to have their defense back next week. So, yeah, 31 is what I had. What did it? What'd you say it was? Uh, it opened at 19 and mm-hmm. a half in favor of LSU. Money. <laughs> All right, Shane, how about this one? This, this should be a really good game here. South Carolina at Missouri. Who do you like <laughs> in this one? I've got Missouri favored one and a half. Ooh, you were a little bit off here, Shane. I said Missouri by eight. And it opened Missouri favored by 10. I think that's a little too high. Too rich for my blood, but I, I understand it. Uh, any chance of uh, the Helensky factor, Shane, here? They get it done here on the road. I mean, I, I don't want to – it's too early to make predictions, but uh, double digits here for Missouri, that's kind of interesting, don't you think? Well, the fact that South Carolina has been able to put up so many points against Alabama, you know what I'm saying? And, and Missouri had trouble with uh, – Wyoming, you know, so I just, I don't know, maybe it's a little early. I'm not, like you said, we're not going to get into predictions, but you know, uh, I think South Carolina is like, I I joked about it, but they truly are. I think the the best one and two team in the nation. Now this one's going to shock you, Shane. I know it's shocked me. Kentucky at Mississippi state. Who did you have favored in this one? Actually, I had Kentucky favored by four. And that's actually exactly what I predicted as well. And we were both way off here, Shane. At opening, Mississippi State favored by eight and a half points over Kentucky. Mm. I'm not sure what to make of this one unless they're thinking Tommy Stevens is coming back to lineup. And as far as I know, I mean, not that he's been ruled out, but uh, I don't know that he's going to be available for this one. Or... To, uh, hung being uh, hung over, you know what I'm saying? Maybe that, maybe that's something they're factoring as well. I mean, this is something you talked about last week with your concern with them losing with Florida. Is that you know that they're gonna? If you remember when they lost to Georgia, they let down, they let off the gas. So it just does this team rebound, or do they do like they did last year? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good point. All right, Shane, how about this one? One of your favorite SEC games here, Tennessee <laughs> at Florida. Who'd you have favored in this one? I've got Tennessee favored by 30. Um, <laughs> where are you at? <laughs> just kidding, just kidding. I got Florida by eight. What do you got? I said Florida by 13, and it opened at Florida 
favored by 12 and a half. So I was, I was pretty close there, but, uh, that I guess has to be expected there. I think with Felipe Franks in the lineup, whether Kyle Trask is better for this offense or not, I think this number would have been a lot higher. I think this number came down with Felipe Franks injury. What do you think? Yeah, I think so too, man. So I had Florida at eight. You had them at 13 and a uh-huh. half. Yes. And it was 12 and a half. Yes. Sounds like a classic overbid, Mike. So I think I won this one. (laughs) All right. How about this one, Shane? This is going to be one of the games of the week here, in my opinion. SEC Nation is going to be on hand. Auburn at Texas A&M. Who'd you have favored in this one? Mm, I got Auburn by three. Favored by three. I went the other way, Shane. I said A&M by two. And I was a little bit surprised. A&M favored by three. Yeah. so the undefeated team on the road, underdog, that's going to make for an interesting game here at College Station next weekend, don't you think? Yeah, I should have thought about it. You know, there's some there's some teams that just have a significant advantage at home, you know, and I just think Texas a and one of them. I didn't – but uh, I, I, this this could be one of the best games played next week, man. Now, I don't know – I'll just throw this out real quick and then we can move on to the last game here, but – you know, I'm not a big believer in these things really actually meaning anything, but until last year, Shane, the home team in this mm-hmm. Auburn A&M series, the home team had never won since A&M oh. joined the SEC. So uh, the road team almost always wins it. Like I said, I don't know if that factors anything into next week, but just something to keep in mind there. So that's kind of a weird, weird stat there. Well, Saban's never won it. South Carolina, here we are, you know. (laughs) Stats are made to be broken, Mike. (laughs) Last game on the docket here, Shane. This is going to be the CBS night game. Can't wait for this one. Notre Dame at Georgia. Who'd you have favored here? I've got them Georgia Bulldogs favored by seven and a half. Yeah, I was pretty surprised when you said that, Shane. All your talking down to Notre Dame. I thought you'd have something closer to me. I thought Georgia would be favored by 20 and I was off too. Uh, Georgia favored by twelve and a half at opening. Mm. Um, so I guess you're not that surprised, but I but I am less than two touchdowns for Georgia against Notre Dame. What what made you think it would only be uh, you know a little bit more than a touchdown favorite? Well, I'm not predicting what I think the score is going to be. I was right, predicting right. what nation the nation would pick, and and uh, I you know there's a whole bunch of Notre Dame homers out there, so. I just thought that they'd get a little bit more love coming in, especially after that big win they had last week. Uh, mm-hmm. So I'm kind of surprised that it's uh, as high as 12. I got you. No, that makes more sense. All right, Shane. So that's all we had on that one. That's our little game there. Let's see. Shane won. All of won, them. He won three of them. I won four of them. So I guess I take this round. But as <laughs> you're getting better, Shane. You're getting a lot better at this game. I'll give you that. Uh, but uh, I think that's going to do it for this one, Shane. We're going a little bit long here, but. I mean, you were right. This was so far. There have been some some games that I really enjoyed this season, but this weekend was the best weekend so far in the SEC. I thought overall. I, now that I'm thinking about it, you probably are saying that just because Tennessee won. <laughs> but it it really was a a lot of uh, a lot no, going on this was. week in the SEC. And next week, Shane, it's really going to get going. It's going to be even better. I can't wait for it. Uh, any final thoughts here before we close this one out? All right, man. Yeah, this one's gone a little long, so we're gonna we're gonna get into more stuff tomorrow. But I uh, appreciate everybody hanging out with us. The ratings and reviews really do help, guys. I'm sorry I picked your teams and they lost. That wasn't my fault. 
you know, it's just how, how it, how it went down. Uh, but I feel like next, I feel like this week's my week, Mark. So, um, that's about all I got. All right, Shane, I heard that one before, but, uh, thanks for joining me as always. (laughs) Thank you everyone for tuning in. We'll catch you on the next one. All right. See you guys. Go Vols. One and two, baby. Happy trails.